Hey guys, we're so glad you're tuning into the Apex Students Podcast. We hope you enjoy this message from Apex Students, and we pray that you don't walk away without looking a little bit more like Jesus. I love things. I think I've opened it this way before. I am I'm just a man who loves things um, a little too much at times, but I think we all struggle with that a little bit, right? Like, we all like things to some degree, at least. Like, I've never met anyone that's like, I mean, I kind of like Christmas, but that whole getting presents part, it's like, you know, I hate that. I hate getting presents. I don't know anyone that that fits. So I just know that I think everyone to some degree is. But me, I especially, I think, like things. Like I said, a little more than I'd like to. Um, I'm trying to have a healthy relationship with things where sometimes I get the thing that I want. But then other times, not yet. That's true. There is a third category. First is... Um, I get the thing that I want. The other one is, I really don't need that thing. Don't get it. And then the one is, is you're going to get it someday. <laughs> I've had a lot of things fall into that, that category as well. Um, recently, a motorcycle. So, you know, <laughs> that, is the, that is the thing that I got myself pretty recently. Um, I remember as a kid, I remember getting my PlayStation 1. Any PlayStation 4 folks out there? Anyone? Is that the, wait, that's not even the most recent one, is it? Five. Wow. I remember getting a, who, has a, who had a PlayStation 1? I saw your hand start to go up. There you are. There you are. I remember that little gray little box, and it, that gray little box changed my life forever. I'm still playing video games because of that gray little box. And telling my, my parents, this is the best Christmas ever. And then later, when I got the PlayStation 2, I said, this is the best Christmas ever. Over the years, I've gotten really great gifts. Um, my wife and my friends have given me great gifts. Dave, specifically back there, um, if you have the privilege of being his friend, he's a very thoughtful gift giver, just so you know. Um, my wife as well. She knows me very well. She gets me. She gives me great presents. But there is one person that gives me better presents than either of them, and that is myself. <laughs> I give me... <laughs> the best gifts that anyone can. I don't need a special occasion. I can just get myself a present whenever. I'm very thoughtful like that. The, um, in fact, it's gotten me in trouble sometimes where like Christmas or my birthday's coming up and Sam has to tell me, okay, I need you to stop buying yourself gifts because I have something I'm about to get you and I'm afraid you're going to buy it for yourself. David said the same thing to me before. Um, it's something I have to keep an eye on. But I really know myself, you know, like I'm really good at, at knowing the perfect gift to give me. I know what I want. I know what I need. I think we all get it. We're in this series, and the series is called Open. And in this series, we are talking about the Holy Spirit. What happens when we give ourselves to the Holy Spirit? What happens? What's it look like when we give our lives to the Holy Spirit? Um, week one, we talked about having an open heart. And that, you know, it's about salvation. It's about making the decision to follow Jesus letting him make the calls and shots in your life, but ultimately spending your whole life believing in him and following him with everything you have. Last week, we talked about having open, uh, open hands. And after the moment of salvation, right, there's the second moment that we call the baptism of the Holy Spirit. We've, um, Doug talked about it. Andrew just talked about it. I talked about my story last week. And, then, and in this, this second moment, the Holy Spirit fills us with power and, and boldness to change the world for him. And I think last week, some people in this room were baptized in the Holy Spirit as well. Speaking of which, next week, I'm going to give you a survey um, that you have. The, the anonymous is an option. You can put your name on it if you want, because I want to know how many people experienced the Holy Spirit, who, who had an open heart for the first time and, and was, you know, experienced salvation, who experienced that 
that second moment, the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I want to know who, the, who that happened to. Who, who spoke in tongues for the first time? I hope that uh, you guys will help me with that. Also next week is an open floor. So we're going to take some time, do some Q&As. Um, speaking of which, Artisha, would you help me with this? Could you grab this? And just grab, um, there's two plates there, a pen plate and a paper plate. Just grab one out and then you can just pass it. You don't even have to like move around the room. Just grab one for yourself. So everyone's about to get a pen and a piece of paper. And what I want you to do is throughout the night, through the teaching, through small groups, keep that pen and paper with you. And at any point, you feel free to write a question on it, okay? At the end of the night, at the end of your small groups, they'll collect them all, blank ones, full ones, all of it. And um, we're going to have a lot of questions for next week. So keep in mind, this being week three of a four-week series, this is your last chance, your last opportunity to write down a question and have it answered at our open floor next week. I'm not going to promise that I'm going to answer every question because we already have a lot, but I'm going to do my best to group them and address in some way everything that you guys ask because I'm very excited for that. So next week, that will happen. Tonight, we're talking about having an open mouth. What's it look like when I give my mouth to God and say, this is this is yours, right? What, what, what does it look like to do that? I've given him my heart and my hands. He's filled me with power. And when he does that, he's going to open your mouth to make a difference for his kingdom. That means being bold with his message to tell people about the good news, how he changed your life, how he can change their lives. And it also could mean speaking in tongues. Now, speaking in tongues can be full of like landmines of confusion, this topic. So in fact, you know, all of this spirit baptism speaking in tongues, all of this can be really confusing stuff. In fact, I brought my notebook from college, and you can see it's pretty thick here. This is some of the stuff that helped me prepare for this series, some of the stuff that, like, I took entire semesters talking about this stuff. And so, um, and we have to imagine, if it's this confusing for us, imagine what it was like for the people that experienced it first. Imagine what it was like, how confusing it was for the people who were baptized in the Holy Spirit for the first time. No one had ever spoken in tongues before, and then somebody did, a big group. We talked about it last week in Acts 2. What was it like for the first people to speak in tongues? What was it like for the first people to perform miracles in Jesus' name? Crazy, confusing. Last week, we had this very um, meaningful conversation. And, and what I, like I said, what I believe was a meaningful night for a lot of people, baptism in the Holy Spirit. People had encounters. Um, students and staff alike were touched and moved. And so that was a really, really great. And I believe... Okay, if you were baptized in the Holy Spirit, what, what, does, what does Jesus say? If you receive, you will receive what? Power. Power. Somebody remembered, yeah. My wife, she's great. <laughs> um, when you're baptized in the Holy Spirit, you receive power. And in that, you know, I started to talk about what that power looks like in your everyday life. We talked about power and boldness, Acts 2, people speaking in tongues. All of that happened at once. Tonight, I want to go deeper on that. And because the Bible actually makes lists of what, what it looks like. What does it look like to live with power with the baptism of the Holy Spirit? What does he do when you experience the baptism of the Holy Spirit? It talks about the gifts of the Holy Spirit, the gifts that the Holy Spirit, these spiritual gifts that the Spirit pours out on people freely. There's a million different directions we could go tonight. Like there are several lists of spiritual gifts in the New Testament. But I've narrowed our conversation down to keep it as simple as I can. And we're gonna, we're gonna talk about two different areas about this, about having an open mouth, about spiritual gifts. The first is a list of spiritual gifts in 1 Corinthians 12. And the second, we're going to talk a, a bunch about speaking in tongues, because I know that can be confusing. So again, it's confusing to us. Imagine what it was like for the first people to experience it. So like, they didn't have a Bible to reference. <laughs> they didn't have 1 Corinthians 12 to guide them through spiritual gifts. So when they had questions, 
they wrote a letter to their friend named Paul. And they said, Paul, Polly, baby, help me out. What are we going to do? How do we do this thing? So people knew, like Paul was a leader. He was fully submitted to Jesus. He was wise, and people knew that he knew what he was talking about. His words carried weight. So they wrote a letter to Paul, and Paul writes a letter back. And that letter is in our Bible. So the new Christians in the city of Corinth, they are a church facing some serious problems because we've had the baptism of the Holy Spirit. People are moving, speaking, doing crazy things for God, but they didn't know how to do it right. They didn't know how to minister, how to be a church with order because we believe we serve a God of order, not chaos, right? The opposite of, of chaos is order. So, so they didn't know how to do that. They were doing cool things, but they didn't know the parameters at which to operate with these gifts. You've probably been to a church service or you've had just an encounter with like a Christian that felt spooky or uncomfortable to you. Like they did something that they clearly thought was like really spiritual and from God, but you, from where you were standing, it was just weird. <laughs> or worse, it was distracting from what God was actually trying to do or say. That happens. And in the city of Corinth, these Christians were facing that. They were doing that. So Paul helps them by writing him a letter. We call it 1 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians as well was a letter to them. So we're going to walk through this teaching in 1 Corinthians 12. And first he talks about the source of the gifts and the unity of the gifts. So in 1 Corinthians 12, um, 4 through 6, he says, there are different kinds of spiritual gifts, but the same spirit is the source of them all. There are all different kinds of service, but we serve the same Lord. God works in different ways, but it is the same God who does the work in all of us. Like, Paul, I get it. Why, like, why did you just spend two sentences saying the same thing over and over again? Well, remember the time that Paul is writing this. There, the time is like the same time as the Greek gods and the Roman gods were being worshipped. So it was not foreign for them because they, right, the Greek and Roman gods, I don't, for some reason we study this in school like crazy, but they had a different God like for every aspect of life. They had a God of the sky, a God of the ocean, a God of the underworld, a God of wisdom and a God of war and a God of love. They had all these different gods. So that's one of the things that made Judaism and then Christianity so different. It set them apart. It was controversial and unique that they were serving one God. That Yahweh was one God. Sure, we have the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, but we're talking about one God. It was weird. It was different. So Paul made a point to say, I know you're seeing a bunch of different gifts, but there's one God that all these gifts come from. So he, he is about to list this gift from the one God of Christianity, and there are different God, gifts. They come from one God. And he says this in the next verse. He says, a spiritual gift is given to each of us so we can help each other. Two things I learned. First, we all have access to these gifts. Give, these gifts are given to each of us. So that doesn't mean that throughout your life, you're going to use every single one of these spiritual gifts. You probably won't use all of them. Um, and it doesn't mean that if you use one spiritual gift, you're going to have access to it forever, whenever you want. That's not quite how it works. The Holy Spirit uses us. When you've been baptized in the Holy Spirit, God may use you in any of these gifts at any time. The second thing I learned from this verse is that they're supposed to be helpful. They're not supposed to be chaotic. They're not supposed to be confusing or make people uncomfortable. The gifts are used for helpful things. They're supposed to help. They build up and encourage the church or they grow the church. They point people toward Jesus. Um, however, I am broken. <laughs> We're using messy people to do this stuff. So God, the Holy Spirit is partnering with us. And as a part of that deal, a part of that partnership is sometimes I'm going to mess it up. So if you felt uncomfortable or weird because of somebody using a spiritual gift, maybe they were messing it up. 
And that happens, and we have to have grace for each other because God does. But the overall purpose of the spiritual gifts is to help, to be helpful. So this is where Paul goes on. And he is going to make this actual list of spiritual gifts. This is 1 Corinthians 12, 8 through 11. To one person, the Spirit gives the ability to give wise advice. To another, the same Spirit, again, one God, the same Spirit gives a message of special knowledge. The same Spirit gives great faith to another. And to someone else, the one Spirit gives the gift of healing. He gives one person the power to perform miracles and another the ability to prophesy. He gives someone else the ability to discern whether a message is from the Spirit of God or from another spirit. Still, another person is given the ability to speak in unknown languages, while another is given the ability to interpret what is being said. It is the one and only Spirit who distributes all these gifts. He alone decides which gift each person should have. Again, Paul, we get it. One God with a bunch of different gifts. So people have been studying this passage in this list for a long time. And through that studying, we're given um, different experts. We'll, we'll group them in different ways. So there are actually some Greek words in that passage where Paul is trying to communicate three groups. And so in these three groups, the first two are uh, their teaching gifts, wisdom and knowledge. The middle five are like ministry gifts. So faith, things that happen in ministry, faith, healing, miracles, prophecy, and discernment. And the last two are worship gifts. Um, tongues and interpretation are an act of worship. Again, that's what Paul was trying to teach to Corinth. As we look at this list, we're going to group it a little bit differently to, again, for us to understand these, these things. I'm going to move some of them around and they're going to give us three groups of three gifts, three groups of three. And it should ease, ease us into this conversation tonight. So let's start with the first group. There's these three, I'm calling them mind gifts in my notes. They're called gifts of revelation, but I was going to Bible college, so I'm calling them mind gifts. And we start with first the wisdom. The gift of wisdom is about spiritual understanding in a situation. It's about the ability to apply God's word and God's wisdom in any given situation. So the, the gift of wisdom, a word of wisdom is, is future-oriented. It's, it's, it's godly insight with advice for how to take, to carry out a plan, steps to make, Wisdom about processing and, and, and applying truth. It pairs nicely with the word of knowledge, that second gift. This knowledge is supernatural insight into a situation that you shouldn't know about. This is what Andrew was talking about, right? He said that the pastor was saying things about him that he shouldn't have known. This could have been him operating in a word of knowledge, a spiritual gift of knowledge. This one is more present-oriented, or it's past-oriented, in, in a way that someone knows something about you that they shouldn't know. It also can be future-oriented in, in God giving them insight about the future. This has Sometimes this gift of knowledge will be future-oriented, and this will happen. Um, to help you understand, if you're familiar with Joseph's life, Joseph was, was come before Pharaoh. He was an interpreter of dreams. So a bunch of times, Joseph interpreted people's dreams. So he interpreted Pharaoh's dream. And... So, so the Pharaoh, Pharaoh gave Joseph this dream. Joseph used knowledge to interpret the dream because the Pharaoh was dreaming about cows and, and Joseph was able to say, those cows represent this. That's the gift of knowledge. And then it was the gift of wisdom that Joseph said, because of that knowledge, because of what I know about that dream and what God is saying, we should do this. We should put this grain away so we're prepared for years of famine. So Joshua interpreted the dream with knowledge and made a plan in response to the dream, 
as a word of wisdom. So they pair really nicely together. The third is the gift of discernment. Discernment is a fancy word that just means to tell the difference. I look at the couch in my living room and I can discern the difference between green and brown. My couch is green. There's no question about it, no matter what Sam says. So this gift, the gift of discernment is about telling the difference between what is from God, what is from man, and what is from Satan. So this could be someone going through something and the gift of discernment might say, this is because um, of your decisions, this is a man-made situation, or it could be a spiritual attack. The gift of discernment might be able to tell the difference. Or it might be a speaker um, that is giving God's thoughts, uh, uh, you know, discerning whether the speaker is giving God's thoughts or their own thoughts. I had someone go, I spoke on Sunday morning and someone after service came up to me and said that they believed my words were from the Holy Spirit. I hope that that's true all the time. It's not because I'm not perfect, but the sermon might help you tell if someone is speaking from God's thoughts, God's pr- truth, or from their own thoughts. Discernment might help you there. The next group is the three uh, power gifts. These power gifts, we start out with the gift of faith. Now, this is different than you having faith in Jesus. You have faith in Jesus, and it gives you salvation. It's an open heart, right? This is a supernatural gift of faith in the face of a bad situation. In fancy words from my notebook, um, things like Christian confidence or divine assurance. In plain words, it means trusting God really hard. Trusting God when, when it doesn't make sense to trust God. A gift, a spiritual gift of faith just means trusting God when it's hard to trust God in a really big way. Then we have the gift of healing. This is a gift we see a lot in the New Testament. Doesn't need a ton of explanation, right? God uses people to perform miracles where he heals them, heals their mind, heals their body. Um, any kind of healing would fall under this category. Power um, for miracles is that third one there, the power to perform miracles. And this is basically any miracle that isn't a healing one. So think of walking on water, feeding 5,000 people with a bag lunch, calming a storm. Jesus did all these things. This was a gift of performing miracles. This is, we see it all over the gospels. And the Holy Spirit is saying that people today still do that. This is a gift that God gives. He uses us to perform miracles. I believe that that's true. That brings us to the third group, the three tongue gifts. Now, James says in his letter, he says that the tongue is the hardest thing to control in your body. The hardest thing about your life to control is the tongue. You don't have to agree so heartily, but I get it. (laughs) Which means that tongue gifts, the three tongue gifts, are, are special. They're especially submitted and obedient to God. Because it's all about submitting to the Holy Spirit to be used, like Andrew was talking about. And if the tongue is the most unruly and wicked part of your body, God letting the Holy Spirit use your tongue is a big deal. So these three tongue gifts. First, you have prophecy. Now, this is a gift that can mean a few different things. Here's what it doesn't mean. Telling the future which is kind of our common modern use of the word. A prophecy is something that was foretold ages ago and then eventually comes true. That's not exactly, and we even use it when we're talking about the Bible, right? There was prophets doing prophecies about Jesus and about the future. That all is true. But the gift of prophecy is more about, the, the, the telling the future thing might be closer to word of knowledge as far as spiritual gifts go. But prophecy can mean a few different things. The common denominator is speaking with God's authority. That's what, the, the prophets of the Old Testament were doing, right? They were speaking the words of God. They were God's representative, his messenger. So a speaker might do that while they're preaching. They might have a moment where they're speaking God's, with God's authority, God's words. 
that might be prophecy. Someone might do it in the mic on a Sunday morning at our church. In the middle of worship, you might hear somebody speak something. That's a prophecy spoken with God's words. And it doesn't only count. Here's something about prophecy. It doesn't only count if you say, thus saith the Lord. However, that could be a clue. When someone says something like that, um, they might say, thus saith the Lord, or the Lord would say. Um, a prophecy, here's, here's one thing that you might know. We see this again in, in Paul's letter to the Corinth church. A prophecy should encourage or comfort people. It should encourage, comfort, or confront is the third thing. It's occasionally, this is probably the least common use of prophecy, um, but at least today, will confront, lovingly confront, urge people to turn from a bad thing they're doing or something. So you got encourage, comfort, or confront. And if none of those things are happening in a word, in a prophecy, we, uh, that's a red flag. And we say, maybe that one's not from God. A person with the gift of a discernment should step in there. And this one can be tricky because again, we're, we're speaking with God's authority, but again, we are people that mess stuff up. So um, someone might say, thus saith the Lord, but maybe a piece of it or the whole thing was actually thus saith that person. <laughs> and, and they just, they, they misheard God or, or whatever the problem was. Um, they just got carried away or whatever it was. We messed that stuff up. So this is another good place for a person with discernment to step in and say, does this line up with God's word? Does this prophecy encourage, comfort, or confront the church? If not, maybe that one was you and you need to sit down for, for a little while. Last week, we talked about how I might sneak up behind you and, and say something to you. Last week, I felt like I operated in this gift a ton. I talked to people specifically. I've done that to you at convention, at the spirit tour. A lot of you have had these types of conversations with. That is me. That is this gift that I believe that I operate in occasionally. You will not hear me say, thus saith the Lord, um, because I want to leave some room for me to make mistakes. I will usually say, I think the Lord is saying to you. you. Many of you in this room have heard me say that phrase to you. I think the Lord is saying. And I use that so, to give me some room, right? For you to tell me that doesn't make any sense to me. Often people say, yes, that makes a lot of sense to me, but I definitely don't have a perfect record at it. So that brings us to speaking in tongues, other tongues, different languages, unknown languages. So this is the idea of saying something in a language you don't know, haven't studied, um, as the Holy Spirit gives you that ability. Now, we're going to go deeper in the second section of our, our conversation tonight, deeper into this stuff specifically. But the spiritual gift of speaking in tongues is what you might hear on a Sunday morning at, at harvest when someone yells in the middle of worship, what, something that sounds like gibberish. It sounds like they're you know, just making words up. And essentially they are. The Holy Spirit is giving them this other language to give this word. They're speaking out this message for everyone to hear. And when it's done right, it is paired with this third gift of interpretation, which might not need a ton of you know, explanation, self-explanatory. They're interpreting the message that was given in tongues. It doesn't mean that they know the language that was being spoken. It means the Holy Spirit has given them the interpretation as to what was just spoken. So they're going to hear that message and then the Holy Spirit is going to give them the interpretation in the language that is spoken in most of the room. So again, this message as well will encourage, comfort, or confront the church. It, 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 they're supposed to be helpful, right? They're supposed to build up the church. So those are the gifts listed in 1 Corinthians 12. And again, there are other gifts in other places, but I think this is a good place to start, give you a sample. And since we're talking about tongues, let's move into that. And we're talking about having an open mouth after all, right? Speaking in tongues is, again, full of confusion landmines. 
Um, speaking in tongues is one of the biggest things that makes our church different, our fellowship of churches different than a lot of other churches. Um, you'll hear speaking in tongues from the congregation in a worship service on a Sunday morning or at a, an event that we might be at, um, and then an interpretation as well. You might hear it happen like a pastor or worship leader do it, um, or whoever you know has a microphone, they might do it in the microphone and th- during an intimate prayer time, and they're not yelling it for everyone, but that is for themselves. And, and it can be hard to tell the difference, but there is a difference. So they might do it to themselves without an interpretation. That's one of the biggest differences. And I want you to know that we are talking about tongues, and I'm about to go deep into speaking about tongues because, well, not because it's the most important or best gift in this list. That's not why we do this. We do this because it might be the most confusing one, the most misunderstood one. So we give it the most attention, not because it's the most important, but because it's the most confusing. Does that make sense? We give it the most attention, not because it's the most important, but because it's the most confusing. Or the most confusing. Um, and I want to make sure that, that, that you understand that. So let me address the languages that we're talking about. There are Greek words in the Bible that tell us that when people speak in tongues, sometimes they're speaking in another human language. I have heard stories of people in a chapel service at a college where they give a, a message in tongues and then the interpretation is given by someone who doesn't speak the language. And then a visitor says, that's my language. <laughs> like they speak English and whatever like other language was being spoken. And the person that spoke the message in tongues didn't know the language. The person that interpreted didn't know the language. But the person in the room did, and they were able to say that was a correct interpretation because the Holy Spirit was giving gifts. Does that make sense? So if somebody, I, I've heard this story, I, I'm going to say Korean because I don't remember exactly the language, but I leave, believe it was an, uh, an Asian um, nation. So somebody who speaks English and Korean was in, in a service visiting a chapel service, and somebody in the congregation was given this gift of speaking in tongues. And so they give a message in a language they don't know. They're just saying words as the Holy Spirit is putting them in their head. And it turned out to be Korean. The person didn't speak Korean, but they were speaking in Korean. Another person in the room was then using the gift of interpretation to to translate that Korean message into English. Also, a person that didn't speak Korean, didn't understand, didn't speak Korean. They heard the message. The Holy Spirit used them for interpretation, to, to interpret the message. And this third person knows English and knows Korean and says, what is that guy yelling Korean for? And what is that other person perfectly interpreting it to English for? And they had a conversation afterwards and they said, no, we don't speak that language but the Holy Spirit did that. <laughs> Does that make sense? If you have any questions, write them down. I hope that makes a little bit of sense, but write them down if you have any more questions. So um, let me back up. We're talking about the different languages, the Greek words for these languages. Sometimes they're speaking in another human language, like that particular case. Other times people are speaking a heavenly language. So the, the, the known human language, it's xenolalia, if you're interested. Some people will, will give a message in tongues and it's in a heavenly language. It's not a language that comes from earth, um, but we believe it's, it's spoken in heaven or, or maybe it's spoken a different time uh, you know, on earth or, or it's just a language nobody here could understand. Glossolalia is that word. And it's also possible that the miracle is happening happening in the ears, where someone is, a person is giving a message in a language they don't know, but a person is hearing it in their own language. Very complicated. I know that one's called akalalia, but a person, the, the main idea, yeah, right. Lots of, lots of notebook things there, <laughs> but the idea is people are speaking in languages they don't know, and people are receiving messages 
in a language they do know that builds up, encourages, comforts, or confronts. So right up front, I want to give you this idea. There are two different ways to speak in tongues, two different functions. In consulting my notes, I saw this sentence a couple times. One of my professors said, same in kind, different in function. Same in kind, different in function. So one is praying in the spirit. And this is the one we see in Acts 2. We talked about it last week. A personal prayer language. It's that intimate time that a pastor might have a microphone. They're, they're speaking in a microphone, but it's not for everyone. It's a personal prayer language, praying in the spirit between you and God. And the second one is the spiritual gift of speaking in tongues. We just talked about this one. This one's from 1 Corinthians 12. Also, both of these are all over the Bible. So don't please don't think I'm making this up. I can give you references later if you'd like them. Here are the differences. The personal prayer language is of speaking in tongues, it's available to anyone who's been baptized in the Holy Spirit. So we say that, what we say last week, we said, when you are baptized in the Holy Spirit, you will receive, yes. So you will receive power, but that can be a hard thing to measure. I I gave you a bunch of ways that it looks. We talked about the Holy Spirit, the, the gifts of the Spirit, but it can be hard to see what that looks like. So speaking in tongues is often used as a marker. When you speak in tongues, when you have this personal, private praying in the Spirit language, that is a marker that you've experienced an evidence of the Holy Spirit baptism. Again, people mess up. People are not perfect. So sometimes they're going to speak in tongues, but that's not from God. They have not been baptized in the Holy Spirit. Sometimes they have been baptized in the Holy Spirit, but they're not going to speak in tongues right away because they're, they're missing it. They don't, they don't know about it or whatever they're misinterpreting from God. People mess it up. So it's not a perfect marker, but it can help us. This is what happened in Acts 2. Like I said, a personal experience for each person there. No one interpreted that message that was spoken in, in Acts 2 when people started speaking in tongues. No one was there to interpret it. People spoke because the Holy Spirit was giving them words. It was a personal prayer language. Ephesians 6, uh, 18 tells us, pray in the Spirit at all times and on every occasion. Stay alert and be persistent in your prayers for all believers everywhere. It's something I do almost every day. Pray in the Spirit. It's an intimate connection with God. When you don't know the words to pray, when you're out of words, you can pray in the Spirit. I hope that you experience that. The second one is the spiritual gift of speaking in tongues. Now, the personal prayer language is available to everyone that's been baptized in the Holy Spirit. The spiritual gift of speaking in tongues can happen to anyone who has uh, been baptized in the Holy Spirit, but not everyone who's been baptized in the Holy Spirit will do this one. Sometimes you'll be using this gift and maybe you won't. Personal prayer language, available to everyone baptized in the Holy Spirit. Spiritual gift, God could use any of them, any of us to do it, but he won't necessarily use all of us. So God chooses when and how to use these gifts to give these gifts out. You might hear this spiritual gift of, interpret- or of, of tongues on a Sunday morning. Often, you'll see the same people doing it. You'll see the same people that God is using this gift with. They're being used in the spiritual gift of speaking in tongues. Again, a huge difference, a huge marker, is this one, the spiritual gift of tongues, requires interpretation. So that this one's for the public, people are yelling it over worship, there will be an interpretation for the language of the listeners. It could be a message of encouragement, comfort, or a loving urge to correct something, a confrontation. So Paul writing to the same church, this church in Corinth, he writes, um, so anyone who speaks in tongues should pray also for the ability to interpret what is being said. He goes on to explain, people talking in tongues, it's awesome, it's a gift, do it. But if the people in the room don't understand you, you're wasting our time. 
<laughs> he says, if, this, if you're using this gift and there's no interpretation, if it's not in English, why are we doing it? And so again, he was bringing order to the Corinthian church because they were just going wild. There was chaos in the Corinthian church. And Paul is saying, guys, you're wasting your time if you're just speaking in tongues. If you are speaking, if you're being operating in the gift of the spiritual gift of speaking in tongues, there has to be an interpretation for it to matter. This is why the prayer language one, the personal praying in the spirit, that one is private because there won't be an interpretation. That's not what it's for. But Paul explains it's better to have people understand it. I'd rather speak um, five words that people understand than 5,000 words in another tongue that nobody understands. Why would I waste my time? If it's for the body, if it's for everyone, to benefit everyone, you need to have an interpretation. I'll say this again. Speaking in tongues either way, for personal praying in the spirit, personal prayer language, or the public benefit with the interpretation. Again, it's not the most important thing, but we give it the most attention, not because it's the most important, but because it's the most confusing. We're gonna talk about it a lot because it can be confusing. Feel free, if I have not answered your question, write down your question. Um, any question you have about speaking in tongues, personal one, public one, whatever, go ahead and write it down. I'd love to talk about that next week. I said this last week, but I will say it again. Having an open heart, receiving salvation is you're talking about faith in Jesus, repenting of your sins, choosing to follow Jesus for the rest of your life. That is a big deal and it's amazing. But a lot of people stop there and I don't want you to stop there. A lot of people stop there. The baptism of the Holy Spirit is about receiving power to be used by God, about changing the world for Jesus. You could stop short of that. You could get into heaven and call it a day. Remember the disciples, they, they were hiding and then they saw Jesus and they moved from hiding to praying. But don't quit there. Don't quit there. Because when we receive the, the, the baptism in the Holy Spirit, we move from praying to preaching and dying for this message, which the disciples did. They preached until they were killed for preaching. The Holy Spirit moved them from praying to preaching and dying. And I'm just, we can have that too. I'm just here to say, don't stop. You could stop and it will be fine. Please don't. <laughs> your life will be better. You will be used by God in a huge way if you, give your, if you submit your whole life to the Holy Spirit and let him baptize you in his Holy Spirit and change you. Give God your open hands and let him open your mouth. And we have access to these gifts that God chooses to use in us. We give God our open mouths to proclaim his gospel, to be used in wisdom and knowledge and discernment and faith and healing and miracles and prophecy and tongues interpretation. And he lets us partner with him to do his work. That's a gift. I hope it's a gift we all accept. He freely gives us these gifts. So pursue those gifts. Pursue those being used by God in these ways. Ask God to use you to do things that only he can do. Ask him to use you with the spiritual gifts and discover how God is going to use your open mouth for his glory. Let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you as I've thanked you many times for this partnership we have with you. You, you use us to do your work and I'm so thankful that we get to be used by you to do your work. So God, I ask that you in this room have given us all, the, 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 you've moved us to give you our open hearts and to be saved, to follow you for the rest of our lives. You have moved us to give you our open hands to receive your baptism in the Holy Spirit. And God, today I ask that you would use us after we've given you our open hands to, to give you our open mouths, to be used in your gifts, to speak in tongues if that is the way that you would choose to use us, um, this personal way that we would all experience that one. God, I ask that you would, we, we just submit whatever you want. We prayed this a lot last week. Whatever you want to do with us, let us be open. 
Let us be open to be used by you however you want to use us. God, we, we give you our open mouths to proclaim your gospel and to be used in your gifts, Father. So thank you. It's in your precious name we pray. Everybody said, amen. Amen. Thanks for listening to this Apex Student Podcast. You can listen to more Apex teachings by subscribing on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. We pray that this message has impacted your life and that you don't walk away without looking a little bit more like Jesus.